Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Big man on campus. He wasn't looking to be anybody special, but he was an humble man in the sight of the Lord. Saul did not think that he deserved the honor of be, that was being bestowed upon him. But as time passed, he began to think within himself that God had really done God a favor by picking him, Saul, to be the king of Israel. He was big, and he was strong, and he was good, and he was too big, and too good, and too strong to obey. He was a good man, and he had great ability. For starters, the Bible tells us that he rounded up over 300,000 warriors and defeated the Ammonites. Next, it was the Philistines, and they too were going to fall at his hand. Saul finds himself at Gilgal, and it's time to offer sacrifice, and he is waiting on Samuel the prophet. But Samuel is listening to the Lord, and the Lord has told Samuel that he is to delay seven days before arriving there. And so after Saul has waited seven days, he takes matters into his own hands, and he offers a sacrifice himself. Samuel, the man of God, arrives just as he is finishing, and he begins to ask him, what is this that thou hast done. He told Saul that he had not kept the commandment of the Lord as God. He said, If you'd have done what the Lord told you to do, if you would have just been obedient to God, your kingdom would have been established in Israel forever. However, since you disobeyed God, God has sought out a man after his own heart and already appointed him to take your place. Because you've been disobedient to the Lord. Next, Saul was told to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Everything, leave absolutely nothing. Once again, Saul attacked and destroyed everything and everybody, just like God said, except the king and the good sheep and the good cattle and the valuable stuff. Makes sense, doesn't it? Why should we destroy all the good stuff? But again, the man of God arrives. Again, Samuel arrives. And he has another question. He said, what meaneth this bleeding of sheep in mine ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? God told you to destroy everything, absolutely, utterly everything. Once again, Saul's fate is proclaimed. He had rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord had rejected him from being king over Israel. He didn't understand obedience then any more than obedience is understood in our world today. Listening to and obeying authority seems to have gotten lost somewhere in the shuffle of life in the world that you and I live in. 
However, I want to tell you something this morning, and that is the fact that in the Word of God, it still matters whether or not you and I are obedient. Amen. The word obey is in the Scripture in one form or another 114 times. So God is interested in you and I obeying Him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 31, in verses 20 and 21, the Bible says, This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and to the commands, he sought his God and he worked wholeheartedly and so the people prospered. The key verse in these scriptures is the one that says, in everything that he undertook. That's the key phrase. In everything that he undertook, he sought God's way in everything. Saul, on the other hand, would start off in the right direction, but then his situational ethics would get a hold of him and pop up. And he would decide, well, you know what? God said destroy everything, but I can keep all this good stuff because after all, I can offer it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. But the Lord, you see, says that he would prefer obedience over sacrifice. God would watch much whether us obey him and do what he says. Saul would adapt the word of God to his own liking. Then he would just go do whatever it was he wanted to do. There's a passage in Romans chapter 6 that paints a picture of just how important obedience is in the Word of God. Beginning in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but ye are under grace." What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness." Now here's some questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Does a servant pick and choose which instructions they are going to follow? Does a servant 
negotiate with his master? Does a servant consider himself to be wiser than his master? The last phrase of verse 13 is a great explanation of what it means to obey. It says, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You see, this man Saul thought that he was okay because he was not doing anything that was blatantly evil. And so he just figured he was okay. But Samuel said, that's not good enough. Doing what you think is best can be dangerous. We need to yield ourselves unto God as instruments of righteousness in His kingdom. And to do that, you and I must be a servant. And being a servant means accepting the fact that, hey, there's somebody else in charge here. Not me. I'm not in charge. But God is in charge. And it is an humbling experience for every one of us to realize that we are creatures of a powerful creator. It's an humbling experience to realize that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. We were born in sin and shaping in iniquity and we need a God to save us. And only God can forgive and give us eternal life when we put our faith in Him. And so what is the natural outcome of putting and placing our faith in God? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 of the New International Version, it says, Through Him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for His name's sake. If we really believe, then we really obey. And if we really believe Him, then we really love Him. And if we really love Him, then we really obey Him. And this is what He said in John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words... And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In 1 John 5 and 3 it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. When our relationship is right with God, obedience to him is the natural outcome of that relationship. The prophet Micah says it this way, He said, He has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly after thy God. That's what God wants you and I to do this morning. I would like for the musicians to come. In the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, There was a man by the name of Cornelius. And this is what the Bible says about Cornelius. It says that he was a devout man, one that feared God, one that gave much alms, and prayed to God always. Cornelius was a man, just by those qualifications, 
that would have been a welcome member of any church in this city. Just by those qualifications right there. But as Cornelius prayed, the Bible tells us that the Lord sent an angel to him and told him that he needed to go find Simon Peter and having to come and preach to him and tell him what he needed to do. And so Peter came and he preached to Cornelius and all his household. Cornelius was so excited about this gathering that he got everybody there. And the Bible says that while Peter preached to them, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they all began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And the Jews that were there with Peter were astonished because this was a bunch of Gentiles. And they said, what is this that God has given the Holy Ghost? Just like he gave it to us. And then the Bible says that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what the commandment of the Lord is today. It's found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. In verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. In verse 2, it says, By which ye are saved. And in verse 3, it says how that Christ died for our sins. Verse 4 says, and he was buried and rose again the third day. Repentance, baptism, and filling of the Holy Ghost. In Matthew 4, 17, the Bible says from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Acts 10, 48, it says, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. In Acts 2, 38, it says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so we die with him in repentance. We are buried with Him in baptism. And we rise to walk in newness of life with Him through the infilling of the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you just give God thanks for that this morning? Would you praise Him and worship Him today? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. As we stand together this morning. There are many people across this congregation who have repented of their sins. There are numerous people that have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. I know, I've been here when they've been baptized. Amen. And there are many people that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's why they're living an overcoming life under the power and the direction of Almighty God. There's nothing more important that could happen to you in this place than this morning than for you to follow God's plan. For you to follow God's direction. You say, I'm a good person. I believe that and take absolutely nothing away from the relationship that you have with God. Cornelius too was a good man. 
Cornelius prayed often. Cornelius gave much alms. He was a good man, but he still needed to obey repentance, baptism in water, and baptism in the Spirit. I believe you're a good person today, but if you haven't experienced this tremendous blessing that God has for your life, you have no idea what you're missing here this morning. They're going to begin to sing. If you need to repent, if you walk up here, there are altar workers that are going to work with you and help you to understand how to repent. If you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, there's water in that baptistry. And there are people that have baptized you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy God of Heaven is here this morning to fill you with His Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you just praise God this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder if you would come today. I wonder if you'd step out and let's come and let God touch our hearts and our lives. This is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah. Pastor Williams has already opened up this altar, but now he doesn't know that I've spent the last three weeks preaching about Cornelius. He has no idea that a lot of what he said today is what I just said last week. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit is trying to drive a message home to us today. Amen. That being good is not good enough. Amen. We've got to obey whatever it is that God is leading us to do. So once again, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. But I want to invite you to step out from where you are. And whatever your next step is, take it. See, it's not complicated. Whatever your next step is, just take it. If you've never repented, you need to come up and confess the Lord and repent of your sins. If you've done that and maybe you're waiting to be baptized, we can baptize you today. Or maybe you're a baptized believer. Maybe you're, and you've never been empowered and filled with the baptism of the Spirit. That can happen for you today, amen? Or if you're like me, Every time you have a church service, you need to have an opportunity to get just a little bit closer to Jesus. So I wouldn't let that pass me by either. Why don't you step out from where you are? Why don't you come right now? Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to seek God with the prayer team and the worship team. Amen. Come on. Come on down. That's it. Come on down. Come on down. Whatever you need, come on down. Yes, God. I want to do more, God. This is how I 